so many people are afraid to fail. They're afraid to make mistakes. And, and you don't learn how to do this without getting out there and making mistakes and making adjustments and putting the time in and building the muscle memory. It's just a fact, you know, I, yeah. I use the, I use the analogy all the time, like new cars, right? They go out and they do, they do a concept design and then they build a model and then they build a test, a prototype. And that prototype, they'll drive that prototype and they'll decide, is the wheel well too big? Is it too small? Is, is, you know, are the tire tires rubbing against it? Is, is the top too short? Is there enough leg room? And then they'll adjust that and they'll, they'll make the model year. Right. And the model year will still have recalls. Okay. So there's no such thing as perfection. There's always learning. And as long as you go into it with that mindset and you understand that you're probably going to mess a few things up and that's absolutely okay because we're building that muscle memory so that we can be successful, then you're going to be successful. You just got to understand that you got to be committed to whatever time it's going to take for you to get there. Perfect. What's up, everybody? It's Jamil Gibbs. Welcome to another podcast episode. This is the Business and Investing Podcast, where you learn all things business and investing related. And today we're going to talk to another expert who's been doing this since 2003. Got a little tongue tied there, but he's been doing it since 2003 and he's killing it right now. And we're going to talk about high level marketing. Some of the things that he's doing right now to drive leads into his business. And I know that lead generation is very difficult. I thought that this would be a great topic to talk about, especially for those of you just getting started looking for maybe your first deal, or maybe you have a business and you're looking to get to the next deal, but you just can't figure out how to do it in a transitioning market. So we have Don Costa from Flip Talk Podcast today. And he's going to share with us what he's doing in his business. What's up, Don? Hey, what's up, man? I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to talk and, and share and uh, hopefully answer some questions. Man, it's been a, it's, it's a real pleasure to have you first and foremost, man. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation, man. But it's been a little while, man. I, I've been trying to, I've been looking forward to getting you on a call. My fault, um, totally, because I haven't been able to reach out, just been tied up. We, we were just talking about it right before the call, man, but I'm happy to have you here today, man. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, man? Yeah. I mean, Don Costa, of course, I, you know, I've been an investor since 2003. I've been an entrepreneur for as long as I can remember. I remember in high school, I was trying these different business ideas and stuff. So um, <clears throat> real estate investing, started door knocking, uh, pre-foreclosures, right out of the gate. Um, I was found I was good at acquisitions and uh, did employed the subject to strategy. That was my first strategy. And that's popular nowadays. Um, I would leverage, uh, you know, subject to, uh, to buy properties and then private money to rehab them. And uh, yeah, loved it. Um, I am a father of three kids and uh, I'm just, uh, I love building businesses and, and doing my thing. So yeah, man. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that you're, you're, uh, you've been in a business just as long as I have. Um, you're a family man. You know, I, I call myself the family oriented entrepreneur. Uh, at least that's the way my audience knows me. Um, so I love to have people on, on the show who are family oriented as well, man, because they can literally see firsthand, you know, it's possible for them, especially if they have a family that you can still build a business and, and be very successful doing it, man. So we definitely appreciate you jumping on, man. So how did you get started in the real estate industry? You know, um, 
two things. One, I want, I want to mention the family thing. My son is actually, he's 16. He's actually training for acquisitions right now in my organization, which for, for those of you who are, are fathers or, or mothers that are listening to this, like that is the greatest joy to be able to pass the legacy. It, it's, it, you make great money in this business, but pass the legacy of knowledge. Um, that kid's going to far out do anything I did. And that's, that's right. Man. That's, that's a legacy play. I want to throw that in there. Yeah, man. And w- before you actually jump into that, man, that's fantastic. I started, right. I actually had my daughter wholesale her first deal at 14. She made 13,000 yep. bucks. And yep. I, we have another video. Uh, we have a couple of videos up on YouTube where I'm actually showing her the ropes. I have four, four daughters, but I'm teaching them different business models and, and different things and, and showing them how to make money uh, without having to go for uh, go for a job. And, you know, I, I love the whole, the whole atmosphere here, man. I love the fact that you're teaching your kids, right. the legacy part is what counts, man. So, yeah. So, okay. Now to answer your question. So uh, <laughs> I, I believe it was what, how, how I got started. Right. So, um, you know, I, like I said, entrepreneur through and through, uh, a lot of people listen to this and may, they may have never done a deal. Um, and so I think it's important to hear this, you know, mindset's important, belief in yourself, um, willing to take chances, and um, I took I took chances on several things and they didn't work out. I took chances on several things they did, but um, I was always looking for that piece that was missing, that widget, something I loved and I was passionate about. And um, I had circled real estate. I was scared of it, like a lot of people. I thought you had to have money, which you don't. Um, I thought that you had to know everything before you started, which you don't. And um, and so it took me a minute to jump into it. But I once I did, I had I, I was interviewing for a job at a mortgage company, and, and I told the guy while I was there that I wanted to be a real estate investor, and he basically looked at me and said you know, go find properties. I'll put up the money. And, um, just, just the mindset shift of knowing that I had the money behind me, I went out and started knocking on doors, you know, nowadays, you know, with podcasts and YouTube and everything else that you, people I think will see that you actually don't have to have the money. I really, I realize now, and I wish I would have known that then you can go put a deal together. And if it's the right deal, there's going to be a buyer. You're going to be able to make a check. You, you could be broke as a joke. Right. So, but anyway, I won't throw that in there, but that's, that's how I started. Somebody said, Hey, I'll put the money up. I went and went and started knocking on doors, found I had a knack for talking to people about selling their property and, and solving problems, which is what we are as problem solvers. And, and uh, one deal led to the next. And I just found something I was good at and loved it. And it's my widget. It's, it's, I'm an entrepreneur first, a real estate investor second, but uh, I love real estate investing. I love it, man. Now, you know, that's interesting. We have a lot in common, man, just, just talking to you. So I, you know, I was, I was talking with you. Uh, right before the call, uh, you know, I, I live by three models myself, man. And it sounds like you're talking. It sounds like I'm, I'm talking to a mirror almost, right. man, because I believe that we're problem solvers. Mm-hmm. We're marketers first, problem solvers second, then real estate investors thir- third, you know, last. That's the least important uh, mm-hmm. of, of the three. We have to make sure we're driving in the leads to be able to help people. Then as we help people, we're solving problems and then materializing the checks as real estate investors, right? So you started off in 2003. I'm, I'm a little mind boggled by this. So you had someone offer you money to start finding properties. Is, is, that, is, that, is that about right? Yeah. It, the deal was that he would, you know, it, it, it wasn't like a happy ending story. Let me just throw that out there. And that's a, this is, that's a whole different podcast, but it was, it was the fact that he basically said, go find the properties. I'll put up the money and we'll split it. And so I went out just to make a long story short, short, I went out and found properties. He put up the money and bought him, but then he never did anything with him. I never, I never got paid from the guy Uh, that would have destroyed, that would have destroyed most people. But for me, it was like, well, I know how to identify a deal now. And if I know how to identify a deal then I'm going to get money. And I started talking to my competition at at the doorstep. I was like, I'm better than you at closing. I'm going to, I'm going to get this deal, but you have money. So why don't we partner? 
And that's how I started making money was with my competition, basically, because I could run circles around them on the clothes, but I didn't have any money. So, but anyway, the point was, is, um, yeah, I had some guy say he's going to put up the money. And, uh, and with that, I went out and started knocking on doors. And then from there, so he put up, so you were almost bird dogging. That, that's kind of like what. Kind of. Yeah. But except I was going to get, I was supposed to split the profit with them on the deal. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, he was actually pretty smart if he would have, if he would have done that with 10 or 15 people in the area, man, he could have been pretty solid, but uh, he didn't know what he was doing on the other end, unfortunately. He was, so he, well, he was trying, he was trying to yeah, add what he saw was an eager kid that he, could, he thought he could take advantage of. And that's, it didn't work out in his favor in the end. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> so, but it worked out for you, man. That's, that's what counts, me. right? It, it opened the door and it showed me the possibility. It showed me what I was capable of. And right. uh, so, you know, I, I, you know, I always try to look at what's the lesson to be learned here. Um, what's the positive spin on this? I could have, I could have, you know, the guy didn't pay me. I worked for like six months. I didn't make anything with the guy. I was finding deals. I could have been defeated, uh, but I wasn't. I looked at the fact that, hey, I'm really good at this. Now all I have to do is put the right people and pieces in place and I'm going to blow it up. So that's right, man. So, so what obstacles would you say you faced over the years and, and what obstacles should our listeners look out for as they're building their real estate investing businesses? You know, mindset is always the biggest obstacle um, that people have. And, and it, it's, it's it, you know, how you, what lens you view things through, you know, um, is, is, you know, like a contractor, is the contractor out to get you or is the contractor just, has he been burned a few times mm. and he's scared that you're out to get him. So when you look at, look at it through their lens and you have the right conversation, it allows you to identify the right people to work with and exclude the people you don't. Uh, when you have an adversity in a situation where somebody does try to screw you over, looking in the mirror and going, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I handle myself differently? Maybe you need to have a better gut check instinct on who to work with and who not. Maybe you should be asking more questions. So uh, mindset and perspective, how you handle yourself through um, is huge. Um, ultimately at the end of the day, the other obstacle, I think, and I don't think people talk about this enough, but the box, right? The box people tell you, you have to operate in. A lot of us will stay in that box and that's a limiting box. Like when people say you have to have skin in the game, when you borrow, like I don't put money down on anything. And anytime I do a rehab, I don't put any money into that project because if I'm scaling a rehab company and I'm putting money into every project and I'm broke in the bank, I'm making decisions from position of weakness. I'm not running a healthy business. And so I started looking at my business and going, okay, this is the box they say we need to operate in, but really how can I operate a healthy business and grow a successful business that, you know, that's outside that box. And what are some of the things that can challenge and change? So just because somebody says that something should be a certain way, marketing should be a certain way, the way you borrow should be a certain way, the way you run your rehab should be a certain way. Always look for opportunities to improve upon that outside of that box. And if you're not doing that, you're not growing like you should. That's right, man. Now, quick question for you. Um, I, I know we've mentioned mindset a couple of different times over the last few minutes, man. What, what are some things that some, I guess, some realistic steps people can take in order to start shifting the way they think? Because, it, it, you know, if you if you grow up a certain way, then you may think a certain way. And, you know, obviously your environment affects you. So what are some things that people can do in order to start shifting the way they think about certain things. Surround yourself with people who think differently than you surround yourself outside of your circle. You know, your family and friends are people who probably, if they're like my family and friends growing up, they either, they, they either um, feared for me because they cared about me. And it was their fear, their limiting belief that they tried to impose upon me, 
or they were envious of the dream that I had and they were, they didn't want me to excel past them and tried to hold, tried to hold me back or they just, they didn't have any desire to go anywhere in their life. And, and the longer I hung around them, I was going to adapt their mindset. Right. So change your circle. And, and that's, that's maybe easier said than done, but it's so true. You know, the people that you surround yourself with are going to be the people who you're going to be the most like, and that's just a fact of life. And that it doesn't, definitely. yeah. And that doesn't mean like there are people that are going to care about you and they're not going to have the same dream. Um, you know, and just understand again, the lens, you know, if your family said it fears for you because they've never tried and failed, um, love them for fearing for you and then show them that it's okay for you to still achieve your dream. You know what I'm saying? That's right, man. It's amazing too. It's amazing how, you know, I I hear that, you know, I ask that question a lot to a lot of our podcast guests and it's amazing the similarities that you hear in successful people versus unsuccessful. Not that, you know, you know, we love our families, obviously, Mm -hmm. but sometimes they don't see, they don't have that same vision as we do. Right. But it's amazing how, I hear the word family a lot when it comes to people holding you back, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's, that's not to say that you don't want to be around your, your family, right? Your, your thought process is just completely different than, than theirs. So sometimes you gotta, you gotta find a new circle of influence and, uh, and, uh, spend more time with that circle versus the family, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of us will, um, we'll almost, we'll almost play victim to our family. Like, why are they against me? You know, and that kind of thing. And, and I think just understanding where they're coming from, you know, they, the things that that, that scare you scare them and probably scare them more. Um, You know, they fear that you're going to have a hard life and they want you to have the best life possible. And so they're, they're offering you the life that they understand and know, you know, and if you look at it through that lens, you can respect them for their concerns and their fears. You can love them for it. And then you can show them that you're on a different path and ask them to respect you for it. And that changes the dialogue. It changes the conversation. And, and I think it opens the door to allow you to still have that relationship with them and just understand where they're coming from and still go out and achieve your dream. That's right, man. And, you know, I think I, I truly believe that entrepreneurs are just a different breed. We're a different breed. You know, we, we just, we just think different, mm-hmm. we're a different type of person and everybody's not like it. That's why everybody can't be an entrepreneur, right. you know, um, speaking of entrepreneurship, man, I, I know we want to talk about marketing. What are some of the things that, well, let, let's take it back for a moment. Um, obviously a lot of people, especially right now, we're, you know, midsummer 2021 right now. Um, the market is still hot. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm starting to notice a small transition. People mm-hmm. are not as hungry, uh, for deals like they were even a month ago. Uh, I'm, I'm finding that deals are still still selling, but there, there's certain deals that would have sold a month ago, two, three months ago, that they're sitting for a few more days now. Um, the point is, you know, there's a lot of competition out right now. There's a lot of people in real estate, but, you know, I, I guess that's perspective as well. Is there really a lot of people in real estate? Um, with, that, with that in mind, Okay, a lot of people are having trouble finding deals. What are you doing right now to continue feeding your pipeline in order to be able to make money in real estate right now? So, <clears throat> one of the things, look, there there are a dozen shiny objects out there, uh, you know, shiny little marketing channels on top of the tried and true traditional ones that will generate leads. I don't think that the issue that people have is necessarily lead flow. Um, 
to be real. If you concentrate on a marketing channel, then you're going to be successful with lead flow. Um, the, the issues that I see, number one, is that somebody doesn't stick to one thing until they master it. They're usually chasing 15 different things and spreading themselves too thin. Um, they're not giving something a chance to build momentum. Um, you know, momentum is very important in marketing. You send out the first batch, you get maybe one or two calls. It might be a deal. You send out the next batch, you get a few more calls pretty soon. Something on the, the first batch pops and then you send out the third batch and so on and so forth. And it starts to build and stack upon itself. And pretty soon you have momentum. Most people don't give marketing channel enough time to have that momentum for success. That's where people mostly will fail when it comes to the marketing channel. But Typically, once you have a marketing channel that's producing leads, it's when you're not getting deals, it's not always the marketing channel. Most of the time, it's not the marketing channel that's failing you. It's something that's happened after that phone is rang. You're not having the right conversations. You're too hungry trying to get a deal crammed through. You're trying to square peg around, hold something. You're not getting to the root of the issue and the seller's why. Um, you know, when a seller calls you, nine times out of 10, they're going to have a wall up because they're talking about their most important asset to a stranger. And your job is to build trust and bring that wall down and have a real conversation. You're probably not doing that. Um, you're probably not doing follow-up properly. A lot of people, if it's not a deal on the first call, an appointment on the first call, it goes back into the abyss and they don't have a proper follow-up process in place. I made a quarter million dollars in gross profits in the first quarter of 2021 off follow-up, stuff that had been in my system for almost three years. Why? Because comps have changed right now. And had I not been feeding off my database, you know, the seller situation didn't change, their price didn't change, but the comp changed. And suddenly that deal that wasn't a deal was a deal. We pulled a quarter million dollars just in first quarter off of just, just that. Uh, so, you know, if you don't have a good follow-up process in place, you're not going to, you're, you're really not going to maximize leads. So marketing as a whole, I mean, it's important to drive leads, but so many people forget everything that happens to that phone rings. And that's, that's part of the conversation in marketing. Uh, you know, are, are you doing things that need to be done to make sure that you are getting the most out of every single lead that comes through? That's right, man. So why don't we provide our listeners with a step-by-step process, step one, step two, step three, from uh, getting started on finding the right type of lead and to having that right conversation to be able to convert the leads into actual deals. You want to okay. do that? Yeah. And I'll use the direct mail as an example. I can, I can actually jump right in on that. Uh, you know, understanding again, that marketing channel, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, the KPIs, you know, the key performance indicators people talk about all the time. So you pull a data set and you take and you, you, you go and you direct, you send out the direct mail batch on that data set. And then most people will pull another data set and they'll send a direct mail batch on that data set. And maybe they'll continue multiple touches with those data sets. But what they're not doing is they're not tracking that information. They're generally sending out on one phone number and that's it. And whatever happens with that um, happens with that. One of the things that I did in 2018 that was a game changer for me was every time I changed anything with my direct mail campaign, whether it was the list or the postcard, I changed the phone number. And I was able to see, I use lists like equity list. I did 100% equity. I did 40 to 99% equity. I like really broke these things up. I did unknown equity, right? And I was able to see like in my market, 100% equity doesn't perform. It doesn't bring me any money. So that's, that's, that's a list I send into a black hole because I'm in a sunshine state and landlords don't have broken pipe issues in the winters. They don't have boilers go out in the winters. They don't have that kind of stuff, you know? So the likelihood of them having a problem tenant in a, in a property that's free and clear isn't going to be a big enough problem for them to want to sell. So 49, 99%, though, if you have a problem tenant and you have debt, 
your pain point is going to be different. So that's, you know what I'm saying? So you start to look at the psychology of your marketing and, um, and looking at what, what's working and what's not working by tracking it properly. You can do the same thing with cold calling, you know, making sure you know what list your callers are on right now and whether or not what the returns are, what the difference are, differences in returns are. If you're tracking that stuff, you're going to be able to see variations in, you know, the time of year. Like for instance, direct mail is horrible for us between July and August. Why again, in California, we're a sunshine state. People are camping, they're going to the beach. They're not really paying attention, you know, to maybe their kids are getting ready to go back to school. So, you know, I've learned let my foot off the gas on that. So understanding your marketing channel and really breaking it down into a way that you can see data points, you can see the result, um, you can see returns. Unknown equity was my, um, my biggest performing list ever, hands down. But one of the things I noticed is it's a longer buy cycle. It's like a high hanging fruit. So we send that out. And we get calls, but it takes a little bit longer to build momentum for that one. We have to do more follow-up for that one for whatever reason. And, um, you know, uh, owner-occupied, non-occupied. Non-occupied will sell a little faster than, than owner-occupied, but owner-occupied will still return the same profitability. You just got to do more follow-up on that. So you start to learn those things with these different variations of lists by understanding your key performance indicators. You know, when, when to throw fuel on the fire and when you have diminishing returns, um, in your market when it's going to, when, when you need to stop spending money, cause you hit a certain point where no matter how much money you spend, it just throwing money away. So I know I'm throwing a lot out there, but understanding your marketing channel, that's why I say focusing on one building momentum, understanding the key performance indicators, breaking it up so that you see the data, you can make some really good decisions on where you're throwing money away and where you're making a profit. If you're just using one phone number, one tracking system, one, whatever, for everything you're doing, I guarantee you, you're not seeing the best results you can see. Yeah, man. So just like with email marketing or something like that, you want to split test. You split want to test. see what's working, you know, mm -hmm. split test one thing up against another, split mm -hmm. test that up against another, right. so on and so forth. So it's not like one list and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it's not like one list is going to work everywhere. So, it, you know, sometimes people get, get caught up in the fact that they say, hey, what list are you pulling? Or mm -hmm. You know, what, what are you doing? How are you filtering your list? I think it's more so uh, you have to split test your way to find out what works in your market. Now, obviously, there's a starting point somewhere. So, like, first off, let's, let's talk about that. How do you feel about, about that there? No, I, I fully agree with that there. And in, in, in your goals, your budget, like how much brain damage do you want? All that comes into play. Like, we do marketing on a massive level. So, data is our greatest adversary and our greatest asset. And so for instance, if I'm trying to filter a list, I, I don't have enough data to hit it, you know, is it the capacity that I'm capable of hitting. So then it's like, do I, do I filter? Do I, do I, do I not filter? Do I hit it on a wider scale? Do I go to another market? Those are all things I have to answer at my scale. If you're just starting out and you have a limited budget, what's that limited budget? I have $500 a month. I wouldn't send direct mail if you have $500 a month. And if I do, it's going to be a driving for dollars list and that's it right? Um, very targeted, very specific. If I only have $500 a month, I'm probably going to want to pull a list and do my own cold calling or maybe get a part-time VA to assist me with some of that cold calling. Um, if I have a couple thousand dollars a month and you can start considering direct mail as an option, but still you want to be a little careful in a lot of markets like California markets, for instance, because it takes upwards of 10 to 13,000 pieces to get a deal. So at that point, you're probably going to want to employ a full-time caller. So you start looking, you got to be honest with yourself about what your budget is um, in that marketing channel 
and um, and then deploy whatever tactic is going to make the most sense. I think that's why having the right kind of circle around you, the right mentor, the right circle around you is hugely important because we can help you by asking the right questions, identify what's going to be the best channel. If somebody has $10,000, $50,000, $100,000 a month to play in marketing, but they don't want the brain damage of having a massive team, then you got to work them backwards to where they want to really yeah. be in their business. So um, I don't know. That was kind of a loaded answer. But <laughs> no, I, it was definitely loaded, man. So l- let's talk to someone that's just getting started. Let's talk to the right. person that uh, maybe they, they don't have a lot of capital. You, you, you just mentioned, and, and, I, and I'm totally... You know, I, I agree with this 100 um, percent. If you don't have a lot of capital, you put more time into your business. Mm-hmm. If you have some capital, you can start investing some funds. Right. So an example of time, you know, Don just mentioned cold calling. Right. So pull a list. If you only have 500 bucks a month, cold call a list, start generating some capital, then start reinvesting some of that profit that you make from the cold calling into direct mail. Uh, what are some of the lists that our listeners should focus on in the very beginning in order to get started? If you have limited resources, um, you know, cold enforcement is always a great list. It's a challenging list to get, but you build the right relationships, you can get it in a market. Um, If you're in a tax default state, in other words, they put the properties up for auction, the tax default tax lien list is a great list to get. Um, You know, you can go for a foreclosure list, anything distressed, uh, is a great list for somebody just starting out because they're 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 going to be smaller lists. They're going to they're going to have underlying motivation. You can door knock them. You can cold call them. You can direct mail them, um, and still have some success. Um, you know, if you have a little bit more uh, ability for, I guess, pulling a bigger list or time on your hands, you can look at things like equity list or great list. Um, you can go for you know the the um, not owner occupied equity list. Those are those are properties that are owned by individuals that have um, have them as rentals. Generally, don't live in them. Um, those are great lists to go for. Uh, the, if you want to, if you have the time and, and ability to do it, you can also go down to the courthouse and you can pull evictions. Uh, you know, those are always those are landlords with pain points. Um, if you don't quite have the budget to maybe hit um, and a non unoccupied list whole as a whole, you can start looking for pain points like evictions. So, um, those are, those are the handful of lists yeah. I would start with. If I was, if I was new, if I was completely new, I didn't have a huge budget, but the thing to really understand is time or money, <clears throat> you're trading one or the other, no matter what you decide to work with, um, you got to have enough of it to build momentum in that marketing channel. And right. so for me, Knowing what I know, being in this business as many years, it still takes me about 90 days to really get any momentum in a new marketing channel, a new market or a new marketing channel. If I'm going to go enter a new market, it's going to take me roughly 90 to 120 days to get momentum. And with all my resources, because that's just the fact you're, you're learning the, 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 you're learning the key performance indicators. You're learning what works and what doesn't you're getting your team in line. So for you, who is somebody brand new, You got to understand you're probably going to be somewhere between 60 days and 180 days to really get traction and to master that marketing channel, right? Broken clocks, right? Twice a day, you can come out of the gate and hit a home run. And I've seen it happen a hundred times, but for most of us, when you, when we hear the stories, it's going to be four months, six months before we get our first deal in a new market, in a new marketing channel when we're new, because we're learning how to, we're learning how to have that conversation. We're, we're learning what questions to ask and not ask. We're learning those things and it's, and it's okay to go through that learning process. Just understand that there's going to be a little bit of that to it. 
It's funny, man, because I, I tell people all the time, especially those just getting started, I say, look, man, expect to spend six months of grinding, mm-hmm. you know, before you ever cash your first right. check. A lot of people, I know they hit a 30 day, get your first deal in 30, 45 days from the guru stuff. Um, and that's fine. Like you said, there's there's a certain percentage of people that are better uh, negotiators. They're more aggressive. They they will get out there and actually get some things turning for themselves. But it takes, on average, uh, from start to finish, uh, to well, start to getting your first deal, about six months, mm-hmm. four to six months easily to uh, get some momentum to, to, to start, you know, cashing checks and things like that. So you got to put in the groundwork. This is not a, a get rich quick scheme. It's not about uh, making money overnight. This is about building a real business. And in order to do that, you got to you got to lay the, the foundation the right way, man. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. Did you did you need to add anything to that at all? You, you know, I just uh, well, there's there's a few few places I could have went with it. But, uh, you know, the you're building muscle memory. You're learning a new skill. Right. Mm. I mean, you know, you've never swung a baseball bat in your life and you're going to go out and try to hit a home run in the first week. I mean, the reality is you're going to have to go out and practice and you're going to have to master how do I stand? How do I swing? How quickly do I swing? When do I swing? All that kind of stuff. And it's, it's the same thing. So many people are afraid to fail. They're afraid to make mistakes. And, and you don't learn how to do this without getting out there and making mistakes and making adjustments and putting the time in and building the muscle memory. It's just a fact. You know, I, yeah. I, use, the, I use the analogy all the time, like new cars, right? They go out and they do, they do a concept design and then they build a model and then they build a test, a prototype and that prototype, they'll drive that prototype and they'll decide, is the wheel well too big? Is it too small? Is, is, you know, are the tire tires rubbing against it? Is, is the top too short? Is there enough leg room? And then they'll adjust that and they'll, they'll make the model year. Right. And the model year will still have recalls. Okay. So there's no such thing as perfection. There's always learning. And as long as you go into it with that mindset and you understand that you're probably going to mess a few things up and that's absolutely okay because we're building that muscle memory so that we can be successful, then you're going to be successful. You just got to understand that you got to be committed to whatever time it's going to take for you to get there. That's right. Start, start, you know, using the same analogy, man, look at the iPhone one versus the iPhone 12, right? Same thing. Yeah. It just constantly improves as time goes on. And then, you know, what becomes least important over time is the stuff that actually works. Right. And then you can improve upon that over time. But it takes time. Uh, that, that's basically what we're saying here. I'm going through it right now. You know, uh, I've been in, in a residential space for 20 years now, since 2002. And, you know, I'm transitioning into uh, minimum 20 unit apartments between twenties and fifties right now. And Mm -hmm. my goal is to be buying 200, 300 at a time. Right. Uh, but it's a, it's a, even though I'm educated on how to do it, when you're actually out there getting it done, um, the game is played a little differently. Right. So you kind of learn as you go on, but if I was Mm -hmm. scared, then I would never buy my first apartment. I would have never bought it. If I, if I was scared, I wouldn't be looking at 100 uh, units. I wouldn't be looking at 50s, right? I, I would be intimidated by it. But like Don said, you, you kind of learn, you, you set the foundation, you take baby steps and you learn as you go on and you're never afraid. Um, you just have to get started. You have to start doing something, Agreed. right? Agreed. So I'm doing the same thing in the Airbnb space right now. I'm learning a whole new thing. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah man. And, and you do a lot of rehabs, man. How many rehabs are you doing uh, these days? Traditionally, we do about 130 rehabs, 130 rehabs a year. 
130 yeah. a year. Yeah. We're not doing quite as many right now with COVID because I, you know, COVID, I backed my foot off the gas, but we average about 130 rehabs a year. So, so that's about 11 per month, roughly mm-hmm. about 11 per month. That's fantastic, man. Insanity. Yeah, that is, man. <laughs> that, I, I've, I've, I've spent, I've had my fair share of the rehab game too, man. And it, I, I haven't done 130 a year. Um, I, I never desired to do that much because of the amount of time and effort that goes right. into it. But when you have your systems and processes in place, you could, you know, you could obviously scale that beyond belief. Um, but I did take my wholesaling business to a whole nother level. But now, I'm, like I said, I'm kind of backing off of the active income and moving towards passive income uh, at this stage of my life. And I'm 40 years old. It's time to time to start uh, uh, building legacy and things like that uh, for the kids, man. But um. But yeah, man. So, so high level marketing, obviously we, we start off with, I'm just looking at my list. I was taking a lot of notes while we were talking. We're starting off with the the handful of lists that you mentioned. That would be step number one, right? Mm-hmm. And then you obviously want to uh, do your research on those lists. You Then once you do those, do your research, decide on where you are, start where you are right now, mm-hmm. right? Whether you have $500 or 5,000 bucks a month, whether you're going to invest time or you're going to put the money invest financing into your business, you're going to have to start somewhere and then just decide, right? Decide on what you want to do moving forward. How are you going to, uh, how are you going to generate a consistent flow of leads? What marketing channels? I know you mentioned direct mail, right? Um, is that one of your primary ways of driving leads these days? These days, direct mail and cold calling are my primary marketing channels. Yeah. Same here, man. Same here. I, I do a lot of direct mail. I'm sure you, you invest a lot into direct mail to find that many deals per month. Um, we do. We, we do like a 50-50 split between cold calling and direct mail. And uh, we were averaging actually up until, um, up until I checked last, what, two weeks ago, we were averaging about two contracts per day. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean we're closing all two contracts per day. But we were averaging right around two contracts per day just off of cold calling, which was fantastic, man. So um, those phones are very, very effective when you know what you're doing and when you know what to say over the phone. Obviously, I have a team to be able to take all uh, take all of those calls to be able to average that many contracts. Uh, But then you have direct mail. To me, direct mail is the best thing since sliced bread. And the reason why I say that is because it's literally scalable. Like you can, you can track everything with direct mail, know where it's coming from and then be able to turn it up. You know, you can't do that with a lot of different marketing channels. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the, the, uh, the new school ways of generating leads as well. Uh, you got the texting and all of that stuff. You got to be careful with that. That's what I was just talking with uh, uh, one of our, our mutual friends about. Uh, you got to be careful these days because right. the laws are changing. But those are good secondary options to follow up. Don mentioned following up with people uh, earlier on mm-hmm. uh, on the on the podcast. The follow up is really where the money is made. So as you build momentum, you touch a person through direct mail, you initiate a conversation. W- what you guys want to remember is you're building relationships with people over time. That's all you're doing. Right. And as you generate leads. Or, or as you generate phone calls, or as you continue to send out these different modalities, these different marketing messages to people, uh, it's almost like McDonald's, right? They play a commercial every 15 minutes, every 20 minutes or so, right? I don't, I'm not sure if they do. I don't watch much TV, but I'm not sure if they still do that these days. But 
the point is they're building they're they're literally building a relationship with you over mm. time they're brainwashing you <laughs> that's probably a bad word to use but they're literally brainwashing you to want to do business with them eventually well, right? and that's kind of conditioning is probably the right word conditioning yeah. is the, yeah. that's a better word much, yeah. <laughs> much cleaner word to use man but that's all it is guys right you're you're conditioning people to feel comfortable working with you over your competition right. over time is that about right don it is. It is. It's, it's, and it's important to understand a couple of things. You know, when we're talking about marketing, uh, <clears throat> when you first get started, just worry about getting, getting the phone calls out or getting the, the direct mail pieces out or going and doing the door knocking or whatever, just do it. Like, don't worry about <clears throat> tracking it and stuff like that. But when you get that first check and you start to see some momentum from this, you got to understand that this is a business that you're building. And, you know, businesses, we make decisions by numbers. So you want to start tracking, you want to get a good CRM in place and you want to start tracking um, that marketing and seeing what's working and what's not. Cause you'd be amazed at where you're throwing money away and what's profitable and you can cut out where you're money, throwing money away. That's the coolest thing about seeing these numbers. The other thing you got to understand is you are spending money to build a database. And so many people fail to recognize the value of that database that we built and that database, it holds gold. And, and you, you, you know, if you're marketing at a high level in any way, shape or form um, at any level, if you're building that database and then you're doing the automated follow-up sequences, you're doing the personal follow-up sequences, and you're, you're adding some things to your business to make sure that you're doing that follow-up to that database, you're going to constantly, it's going to constantly produce, it's like a garden, man. You're going to come back and there's going to be, you know, a, a nice, fresh, ripe piece of fruit. And you're going to come back the next day and there's going to be a nice, fresh, ripe piece of fruit. You know, just like you said, I'm saying the same thing you said, man, but <laughs> basically, you know, just kind of reinforce it, I guess. No, that's you, good, man. Yeah. You got to work stuff. it. Yeah. You got to work it and you got to, got to continue to work it. And I think we get, we get complacent. We get lazy. We, we don't understand the importance of it. And I'm telling you that hands down, pretty much all the money I make is from some sort of follow-up. Very rarely is, do we get something off the very first call? That's right, man. I'll, I'll, I'll say this, you know, and you only hear this from real marketers, right? When you spend money, when you invest money or you invest time into finding deals, you're buying data. That's all you're doing. Buying you're data. building a database, right? you know, right. And, and you just heard Don say it and he's a real marketer. So right. listen, guys, you have to be willing to invest the time. You have to be willing to invest the money. Uh, you know, we, we've rehashed this already, right? This is something that you guys understand at this point. If you've been around a business for a little while, if you're brand new, you got to get this through your head. If not, you will quickly realize that this is probably not the business for you, but we want this business to be for everybody because it, it changes lives. It changes the game. It changed the game for me, for Don, for everybody else who got involved. And if you really want to to take your, your life from where you are right now to where you want to go, then you got to understand these things and you got to be willing to put in a, the work, the sweat equity in order to make this happen. You know, 100% can't agree more. That's right, man. So Don, man, obviously there's a lot to cover. There's a lot we could talk about. There's a lot to learn in this business uh, that, you know, obviously we only have a short amount of time on a podcast for. So how can our listeners get in contact with you, man? You know, I have, I have the podcast Flip Talk, which I'm going to be having you on here shortly. Um, you can always find me uh, by listening to that. Um, I answer emails at Don at FlipTalk.com. And then um, I run a mastermind community. I don't know if, if, if it's cool to share that, but uh, yeah. be, beinthisroom.com. You know, I'm always looking for people who want to surround themselves with, with people that are like-minded, that are fighting the same battle. They're going the same direction. We're looking to build a community of givers. And so just go to beinthisroom.com and check that out. 
And, uh, and yeah, you know, reach out to me if you got any questions, I'm more than happy to answer what I can. Sounds good, man. I'm going to link all of that in the description box and the show notes of uh, this particular podcast as well, man. Appreciate you uh, jumping on with us. Definitely reach out to Don at Flip Talk Podcast. He's uh, on YouTube and he also has a podcast as well, right, Don? Absolutely. And then beinthisroom.com. And he's also answering emails. Just don't blow up his email, guys. I know how <laughs> it, sometimes, you know, sometimes we, 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 we get excited. We want to send an email. We realize we have somebody's email address. Don't blow it up, please. But definitely reach out if you have a sincere question. Um, that's Don at fliptalk.com. Yeah. Fliptalk.com. And it's, it's, it's what, what's nice about, you know, giving out the email, honestly, it doesn't suck to, to have somebody reach out and say, Hey, that one thing you did or said, help me in my business. Those things go a long way to helping us, um, you know, put this content out. This content takes work, takes time away from our family. And when we know we've actually made an impact in somebody's life, it's huge. So it's, it's always nice to hear those things as well. I'm sure you absolutely, yeah. I love it, man. I, I love helping people. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it can become a little overwhelming when you got a, a lot of followers and, and stuff right. like that, but you know, when, when, when I receive those messages, especially here on YouTube or through my podcast or through an email or whatever, and someone tells me, hey, I just locked up that deal or, hey, I just made X amount of dollars just by, you know, uh, listening to your information. There's nothing like it. I, I, it's almost like getting my first deal over and over and over again. You know, I, I get excited. I get goosebumps. I love it. And I love uh, to see other people win, man. And that's what this is all about. Right. 100 percent. I can't agree more. Yeah. That's right, man. So are you reading any books right now? You know, uh, to be honest with you, uh, I'm not reading any books right now, but I can tell you what my list is, man. I got a, I got a ton of them. Um, What's your favorite one? My favorite book of, of all time, the one that changed my life forever and put me on a trajectory to entrepreneurship. I think everybody should read, especially if you're in sales, it's How to Win Friends and Influence People. How to Win Friends. I love that book, man. How to Win Friends and Influence People, man. Yeah. Awesome. There's, awesome. Yeah, so there's, there, there's a lot of great ones, but that one hands down is, is the one that if you can master the art in that book, then you're going to be great at closing. That's right. That's right, man. And I'm going to be sure to link that in, in the uh, show notes as well for you guys. So, so make sure you check out that book. It's a fantastic book. You're going to hear a lot of these books that we talk about on this podcast repeated by a lot of different guests. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've linked that book several times uh, during the lifetime of this podcast, man. And that's because we all read the same stuff. We mm-hmm. think alike. And when you think alike, you'll have similar results. Obviously, some are doing better than others, but we all strive to be the best in, in our own respective ways, right? And that's what it's all about, man. Absolutely. Don Costa, man, any last words for our listeners? Yeah, just just do you. Get out there and do it. Don't let the world hold you back. You know, be, be afraid of the life that you, you can have. Be afraid of not having the life you deserve to have. You know, don't be afraid of failing and taking chances. I fail every single day, you know, get out there and just do you. That's right, man. It's called failing forward, right? Failing forward. Mm-hmm. That's right, man. We really appreciate you jumping on brother and looking forward to having you again sometime in the near future. I know there's a lot that you can cover. Uh, you spoke about creative investing and uh, you have a, a super successful rehabbing business. Mm-hmm. Um, we spoke about marketing today. Th- that's a whole different topic. I would love to have you back. Do me a favor, guys. If you're watching this on YouTube, like this video, subscribe to this channel, click the notification bell. Also, leave a comment. Let me know what questions you might have for Don. Uh, maybe we'll come back and do a Q&A. Who knows? Right. But the whole point is we want to help you go from where you are right now to where you want to go in your real estate investing business. And the only way to do that is to get feedback from you. So leave a comment. Let's start a conversation below. Let me know what's on your mind. 
And then I'll share that information with Don as well. And we look forward to seeing you guys on the next one. Take care. Check out my website at reieducationacademy.com. To make it easy, you can just simply go to jamelgibbs.com or check out my YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash jamelgibbs. I'm all over the web, whether it be on Facebook slash the Jamel Gibbs or on Instagram at Jamel Gibbs. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. Check out all of these platforms for daily content, weekly content, more content from Jamel Gibbs. But if you want to get more in depth, go to reieducationacademy.com. And that's how you can find out more about my training material and how you can get started investing in real estate today. Talk to you later.